Would you turn to two openings, please, in the Scripture? 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, and 1 Timothy 3. But let's go to 1 Timothy 3 first. I just warn you, sometimes I change in midstream. 1 Timothy 3 and 1 Samuel 17. In praying about this evening, I thought about one thing that the Lord had been dealing with me about, about too much. I got excited about that. Lord, give me some revelation on that. We was up in New Jersey for about a week teaching on that. Saw that God gave Abraham too many cows. He gave Isaac and Jacob too many goats, too many sheep. And he asked me the question, you know, I asked the question rather, does God know when the cup is full? And how come he runs it over? And you remember he, he told them to let out their nets and, uh, to, to, to get a, a catch of fish. And, and they caught so many fish, it broke the nets. And I thought, well, don't God know how many fish their net would hold? And then they called the ships and, and they said, you know, the, the ships begin to sink. You read that? I thought, God, you're sinking the boats. It's too many fish. He said, yeah, I know. It's not his fault your net's too small. <laughs> not, not his fault your boat's too little. It's his nature. I said, it's his nature. He is. A too many Goat, too many cow, cut running over, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, net breaking, ship sinking, too much, God. <laughs> but I ain't going to preach on that tonight. <laughs> I thought it'd be fun, you know, I thought, well, I go down and we'll shout. Yeah, but the Lord gave me something a little more serious. And we need to obey, right? Amen. But I said all that because I want to share this with you because the Lord corrected me on something. He said, see to it that you don't say this anymore and that the people under you don't say this anymore. Your staff, your church, tell them, charge them. Because people are all time saying, wonder if we're going to have enough. Boy, I hope we have enough. Wonder if we're going to have enough to, to meet the bills at the end of the month. Wonder if we're going to hope we have enough. And the Lord said, don't say that anymore. Don't say it. Tell your people, don't say it. Don't ask the question. Wonder if we're going to have enough. If somebody says, wonder if we're going to have enough, you say, uh-uh. We're not going to have enough. We have too much. Too much. I was at a church recently, and we, we preached on this, and, and the Lord dealt with uh, uh, me about the pastor's uh, new car. And uh, so we took up an offering. He said, if they don't do it all, you do it. And he said, it needs to be a too much car. A too much. It needs to almost hurt your eyes when they pull up. You know? He said, whoa, that's, that's too much car. And so I called him and I, I said, because, you know, did, did the money come in? Enough money? He said, uh-uh. He said, too much money come in. He said, now we're going to buy me and my wife a, a too much car. That's the way it's supposed to be. Everybody said out loud, we will have too much. To pay all the bills, do everything we need to do and want to do, we will have too much. Now put that in your daily conversation, right? 
Put that in your daily conversation. And every time any question comes up, wonder if we'll have enough. You say, uh-uh, we won't have enough. We will have. That means you'll have all you need and some extra. God's a God of extra. Can you picture him? Can you picture him now? What did the scripture say? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And what? My cup. He pours. And you say, God, God, you splashing it over the side. He says, yeah, I know. I know. God, God, you running off on the table. He says, yeah, I know. I know. That's who your daddy is. That's who your father is. That's him. Amen. But I can't preach on that tonight. So, 1 Timothy 3 and 1 Samuel 17. In 1 Timothy 3, there is a principle in the Word that you see mentioned concerning the ministry. And then you'll see as we go on that God operates this way in all His dealings with all men. It's a big statement, but you'll see that it's so. First Timothy 3. And uh, he's talking about qualifications for bishops. We might say pastors. We might also say, also say overseers. We might also say deacons, because it got us all covered in this chapter. But in verse 10, 1 Timothy 3.10, he says, Let these people for... Uh, Deacon position, let them also first be proved. Then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Now read it carefully now. Let these also first be what? Proved. We might say today proven. Proven first. Then. Everybody say that out loud. Proven. First. Then. Now that's how it works with God. Always. With everybody. Proven first. Then. Used. The title of my message this evening is Proven for Promotion. Proven for promotion. For that's always God's intent in the proving and allowing the proving. In 1 Samuel, if you're holding your place there, did I tell you what chapter? 17 is right. 1 Samuel 17, you know the story here is David going to fight Goliath. And you remember that he, uh, when they talked about this Philistine that everybody was afraid of, this, this huge giant, that he spoke up and said, I'll go, I'll do it. And immediately brought reproach. People spoke reproachfully concerning him. And if you're going to be a faith man or woman, then you'll have to believe inside that you can do things other people can't do. Not because you're so bright and sharp and amazing, but because of the one who's inside you. Amen? And you have to be quick to say it. And when you say it, people will go, who do they think they are? You ever thought about the answer to that question? Who do you think you are? We need to know who we are. Right? 
Problem is that they're still thinking about who they are. <laughs> but he pipes, I don't believe he was uh, trying to show off. I don't believe he was, you know, I mean, this, this is taking your life in your hand. But it just came up in his spirit. He said, I'll go do it. Bless God, I'll, I'll do it. And so they brought him to the king. They brought him to Saul. Because his, his statement was so shaking. Immediately the ripples went to the, the head of the whole deal. And he said, bring, bring that boy to me. And, and he came in there and he said, now what's this about you going to go fight the judge? He said, yeah, I'll do it. Send me, I'm ready. Youth. He said, now what makes you think? My biggest and, and strongest and sharpest guys are shaking in their boots. And, and you're going to go out there and take this guy? He said, yep. He said, uh, I had a run-in with a bear, and I took him. Had a run-in with a lion, took him too. And God's with me. And, and, and he was so, you know, when, when you have faith, faith is contagious just like fear. And faith, strong enough faith, will pull other people in with you. People that are are remotely willing. You know, don't be so quick to tell people, well, your problem is you don't have any faith. And if you don't have any faith, you're not going to get anything. Well, does that help them? You know, it's, it's a common practice. Somebody comes up in the healing line. And they say, well, you, you believe you'll be healed right now when I lay hands on you? And they go, I don't know. Man, I hope so. Who I need it. And the common response is, well, you ain't going to receive anything. Go back and sit down. Well, no, what folk don't realize is God expects us to have some faith. And a strong enough faith that the current will pull other people in. Now, some people just made up their mind and hard-headed, and they don't want to believe. And God's not going to make them believe. But people that are a little bit open, a lot of times if you have strong faith, it's like a current. It'll pull them in. I remember I came to a lady one time in the healing line. I was ministering to people, and this lady had never been around uh, healing lines, never been around talking in tongues. This was brand new to her, and she was older. And I started to lay hands on her. She reached up and grabbed my hand with both hands and looked at me with fear in her eyes. And, and uh, I just stopped because she's... You don't receive like that. And I had time in this particular case to take a moment with her. And I said, uh, I said, you believe you'll be healed when I lay hands on you? She said, uh, I don't want to fall. And I said, well, you don't have to fall. Uh, I said, you, do you believe in healing? I think so. You believe the Lord would heal you? I need it badly, young man. And, well, the faith wasn't there. But I sensed in my spirit that she was open and movable. And I brought some faith with me to the service that night. (laughs) Which is always good when the preacher does that. (laughs) I said, you know, I said, I laid hands on somebody just a couple of weeks ago and had a problem just like yours. And man, the anointing came on them. And just in three days, they were okay. I said, well, I believe God loves you just as much. I believe he'd like to do that for you. You believe that? She said, well... Maybe. And I said, I said, the anointing's on me right now to minister to you. I sense it. And I just believe that the power of God is stronger than any sickness that might be working against your body. God loves you. 
He doesn't want you hurting. He don't want you. And, and as I'm talking to her, I'm looking at her in the eyes. And I can see her countenance changing. I said, I, in fact, the anointing's stronger right now than when I first started talking. I just believe I could lay hands on you and curse that thing and it would die and leave you. And you could be whole again. I said, I believe that. You, you believe that? She said, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's all I needed because I knew she's a baby. She didn't know my, that's all I needed. I jumped on her, figuratively speaking, pounced my head, and, and you know, she was healed. But if I'd, have, if I'd have just barked at her and said, well, you don't have any faith, you go sit down. So, when you bring faith to the table, it's like a current it can pull. And so when David is speaking faith, which he is speaking faith out of his heart, he said, I can take him. Ripples went through the camp. When, and when Saul looked into his eyes and he said, you believe you can do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God gave me the bear, gave me the lion, he'll give me this uncircumcised Philistine. Let me go. Saul believed him, didn't he? When you think about it, here's a young strapping youth. And here is the head of an army is going to send this teenager out on this one-on-one deal, this display, show of force between armies. I mean, there was something in David that came out when he spoke and Saul said, maybe you can but you remember, he, he went to put his armor on him. He, he thinks it's going to help him. Right? And what did, what did David say when they got him all dressed up and he's trying to move around and he can't move? Of course, Saul's a big, big, tall guy anyway. And then all this stuff's too tall, too long for him. And, and he can't move and he's clanking and he's squeaking. And remember what he said? Let me find my verse here. Verse 39, I think I told you. David girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go, for he had not, but verse 39, he had not proved it. Everybody say he hadn't proved it. He had not proved it, and David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. He said, I can't use this. Can't go with this. Why? I have not tested it. Now, now you, you'll find in the scriptures the word test, the word try, the word tempt, the word prove. A lot of them are some of the same words. And it means to test so as to experience the worthiness of something, the quality of something, the ability of something. You test it. To see if it works. You, you prove it. You test it to see if it's going to hold up. And when you're about to go face the biggest man in the army. It's ain't no time to be trying out new stuff that you have not proven. <laughs> it, looked, it looked laughable that he come out there with his stick and with his slingshot. It looked funny. In fact, the big man laughed from a distance and said, you send a kid out here with a stick? He was insulted. And then he was dead. <laughs> Folk can laugh all they want. Hmm? About your prayer that you know how to pray. About your confession you know how to make. 
about your thing that you know how to do, but you've been there in the dark and it worked. And you've been there in the thick and you saw it. Amen. Beware of trying other people's stuff. I remember years ago, there were some people, I, I was really envious of them because I thought, man, I wish I had what they had and I could do what they could do. Man, they got it. Don't seem like I do. And, and I grew and developed for another couple of decades and come to realize I was in better shape than they was. I didn't need what they had. They didn't have what I thought they had. You have to watch about looking at things and thinking, well, that's it, that's it. And there's always something new, you know, that everybody's getting into and trying. Don't go with somebody else's stuff that you haven't proven. Go with what you know. Go with what you have proven, that you have tested. Now, friend, every day of our lives on this earth is a proving day. Our whole life down here is proving. The generations are being proven in the earth today, tonight. This whole thing is about who's going to come out of sheep and who's going to come out of goat. Hmm? Who's going to be approved? Who's going to be disapproved? Who's going to be saved? Who's going to be lost? Who's going to be used? Who's going to be rejected? And the the test and the trials and the situations are the opportunities. But they're not what determines the outcome. You are what determines whether you're approved or disapproved. Promoted or demoted. Used or not. It's something, and I'm believing for, for something to be stirred in you deep. For this is over with, that any time that any kind of challenge comes up in your life, that something's going to stand up on the inside of you, and you're going to say, I'm passing this. I'm passing this. Tests from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Isn't it? Are you going to believe God, or are you going to sit in the corner and cry? You're going to walk in love, you're going to be selfish and spout off and give somebody a piece of your mind. You know what I'm saying? I mean, every test, go through the drive-thru and pick up something and uh, you hand them a 10, they give you back a 20 and some change. You drive off real fast and go, oh, thank you, Lord, the Lord's blessing me. The Lord's, you failed a test, you flunked. You was weighed in the balance and found warning. <laughs> and it is humorous, but at the same time, that disqualifies you from being used in certain ways and from doing certain things. You mark it down. Anybody you see that God has blessed and promoted and used and increased, they have been proven. And they have passed some tests. Even if they fail one, they got it right afterwards. You understand what I'm talking about? With God, there is no social promotion. 
But know what I mean? They, know, they used to. I don't, I don't know if they do now, but they used to. You know, if somebody is in the second grade too long and they got bigger than the rest of the kids, they might just put them on to the third grade. Well, God never does that. If you flunk the first grade, you take the first grade over. If you flunk it a hundred times, you take it over a hundred times. And we do in the school of the church. We got a lot of 50-year-olds in the first grade. <laughs> Great big old rascal sitting in a little bitty desk. <laughs> crying. Oh, God, why don't you get me out the wilderness? I mean, I've been here so long, and you don't bless the brother so-and-so. Why don't you do it for me? Well, you got to pass the test. You must. And in order to pass the test, you have to believe God. You have to put your flesh under. You have to obey. When you don't feel like it, when you don't want to. To bite your lip and be quiet. When, you, when, you're, when your head's screaming, uh-uh, no, no, I ain't doing it. You shut up and say, yes, sir, I'll do it. Thank you. We'll take care of it. Your flesh is screaming, I ain't doing it. You say, shut up. We're going to do it. We're going to obey. Now, this proving thing. God is proving a church right now that he can use to rule and reign with him. This is just faith school. This whole life. This is this this not even remotely a, a substantial portion of our existence. This is training camp. He gave us the loins girt about with truth and breastplate of righteousness and feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and shield of faith and sword of the spirit and helmet of salvation. And then left some devils for us to practice on. And some curse in the earth and some crazy people to deal with. Well, it would be something. wouldn't be all dressed up and nowhere to go. Nothing to do. And then people holler about, well, you know, this happened and that happened. There's a challenge. And, and the devil, it's an opportunity to prove your weapons, to prove your metal, to prove your faith. Demonstrate. Amen? So that you may be approved. Are you hearing now? Proven that you may be approved. Proven that you may be promoted. It's always God's plan. Like we're talking with David, I mean, the time to test something is not in the middle of the battle. And God is very serious about his church. He's very serious about his body. And he's not going to throw somebody in it uh, to do a heavier job that can't handle the small job. He's not going to do it. You know, we just put uh, engines on an airplane. And I was reading about the certification process for some of these engines. I mean, they run these engines wide open for like a week. Night and day, wide open. To see if they're going to break. On a new airplane. They'll take the wings and bend them. And bend them. And bend them. Some of them they bend till they almost touch. Because you don't want to wait when your life depends on it. To find out where this thing's going to break yet. Right? So you prove it in the test cell. 
Amen. You prove it and you test it where it's safe, where it's not going to affect a lot of people. But then when it's proven, I said then when it's proven, then that design is no longer just a bunch of aluminum that's made into Coke cans or beer cans or some silly something. Now it's a Gulf Stream wing. Proven. I said proven. That's what God has for you and me. He wants to prove us and promote us and prove us and promote us, prove us and promote us. Turn with me, please, to the book of Romans. Thank you, Master. Romans chapter 3. You know, words are important. But it's more to life than just talk, isn't there? And there's a lot of people that talk. But when it comes time to perform, they fade. I've seen this in ministry. Anybody that's gone very far has. I don't know at the times. People have come and said, we're supposed to help you. We're supposed to. I know that. We've heard from God. We're supposed to. And we're going to be here. We're hooked. Anything, anything you need, you let us know. Well, the talk sounds good. Right? But what hasn't happened yet? Ain't been no proving yet. Right? And I've, you know, I guess people sometimes wonder why I didn't just jump up and down when somebody tells me something. But I, I, I didn't seen too many engines break when you revved them up. <laughs> I, I didn't seen too many things break when you bent them a little bit. <laughs> so I think, well, that's all good. Yeah, I'm ready to believe, yeah, but let's see it. Hmm? Let's see it. And I don't mean for, for a day and a half. I mean, let's see it. Week after week, month after month, year after year, let's see it. That's what God's interested in. And that's what separates the men from the boys and the girls from the women. And then maybe you call on them, the Lord deal with you to, to involve them in something. How many know it's a privilege to be involved in any aspect of the work of God? It is an honor. It's a privilege. I don't care if it's pushing a broom. I don't care if it's mopping a floor. If it's shining a flashlight in the parking lot, I mean, if it pertains to kingdom business, it's significant. It has an impact on the kingdom. It's an honor. It's a privilege. And you call on somebody to do something, they go, well, oh, Brother Keith, I, I wish I could. But I got some other things going right now, and I just, you know, mm. but you know, if you need anything else, you know, another time, you, you let me... Because <laughs> we're with you. <laughs> Listen to this, friends. People need you when they need you, not when it's convenient for you. And you know, I have never, not once, you tell me if the Lord has done this with you, never, when the Lord dealt with me to go do something or support somebody or send them money, never did He ask me, Is this a good time? He ever asked you that? He never has asked me, oh, 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 is this a good time financially? Would this be a good time for... <laughs> so many times, he knows it's not. He knows it's not. He knows, but he told you to do it anyway. Why? 
We want to see something here. Right? Hold your place in Romans and go to Deuteronomy 8. I told you I change sometimes. Deuteronomy 8. Charismatics and faith people sometimes don't like to read some of these scriptures. But they're Bible too. And they're good too. And also we, we have a lot of babies and weaklings. <laughs> in the church today. Did you know that? Oh man. So wimpy. Little, little sissy. Baby Christians. Whiny babies too. You know what I'm talking about? One of their favorite phrases is verbal abuse. They just, they've been abusing me verbally. You know, the Lord told me some years ago, he said, if I had ministered in your day, there would have been people who would have accused me of verbal abuse. I never, that never even crossed my mind. I thought, really? Verbal abuse? There is such a thing as verbal abuse, just purposely trying to hurt somebody, purposely trying to take away their faith and vision. and There is. But there's a whole lot of stuff today that's called verbal abuse, and it's not. It's just that people can't take any correction, much less a rebuke. And if you can't take some correction, and if you can't take a rebuke, and everybody needs correction sometimes. And sometime in your life you're going to need a rebuke. And if you can't take one, then you can't be proven. You can't pass that test. People have taken men's ideas and psychology principles and psychiatric principles and books that they read. And they mix it up with a half of a verse here and there. And they think, well, this is, this is it. This is the way it's supposed to be. You cannot correct somebody unless there's first positive reinforcement. And then it must be couched in comfortable tones. And then... And you, and, and basically, your correction turns into some kind of a compliment. Well, are we correcting or are we complimenting? Which one are we doing here? Because people are such babies. You remember Peter? They're in the boat. They see Jesus coming walking on the water. He says, hey, fetch you. Tell me to come. He said, come on, come. Stepped out on the water, walking on the water. Got to looking at the wind and the waves. Uh-oh, uh-oh, I think I'm sinking. Oh, I'm sinking. Sank, cried out, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached down and picked him up and gave him no positive reinforcement. None. <laughs> he just said, why are you so afraid? Where's your faith? There could have been a lot of people that have been in a therapist the next day. <laughs> laying across the couch going, I've had it. I've, just, I've had it. <laughs> I left everything. I walked. And I've been with him day and night. I mean, I bring him his water and I bring him his cloak and I, and I, and I warm up his donkey for him and, and, and everything. And, and, and here we are. Did anybody else get out of the boat? No, nobody else. Nobody else said nothing. Anybody else walk on the water? I don't think so. I walked on the water. I walked on the water. Does he say, good job, Peter? Does he say, just me and you walked on the water? No, he just said, where's your faith? 
If you want to be proven, if you want to be usable, if you want If you want to be proven, if you want to be usable, if you want to be leader material, some of us, all of us are to be kings and priests. This is God's plan. But you've got to be able to take some things. You've got to be able to take something, a correction, a rebuke, and go, thank you. I needed that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hmm? I used to get beat up when I was a little boy. And uh, there's certain boys in school, there was about five or six of them, and just me and my little brother. And they'd catch me sometime in the bus and just beat the pudding out of me in the back seat. The bus driver couldn't see I mean, there's like five or six of them now, much bigger and older than me. Two or three of them would hold me, and another one would beat me up. And I came in with my nose bloody and came in with my, my lip busted. And finally, my daddy said, boy, we've got to do something with you. And so they put me in karate school. And boy, these guys were old school. Concrete floors, no pads, couldn't lean up against the wall. They'd tell you, you know. One time, deeper stance, wider stance, lower. And next time, if you didn't do it, you wouldn't hear anything. You'd just feel a foot. <laughs> Sweep your leg out from under you. Kapow! You hit that concrete floor. And you're supposed to jump up and say, thank you, sir! <laughs> Why? Because they're helping you with your form. And if you leave your hand down too low, they pop you in the face. Mm. Uh, hands too low. Thank you, sir. <laughs> but some of that has helped me in ministry and in life. Amen? You know, even the wounds of a friend are faithful. Hmm? Sometimes you need a good backhand. I'm not talking about actually physically, but you know what I mean by that? You need something to wake you up and go, wow, what? Man, what was I thinking? I said not physically. Okay? I'm not talking about backhanding people physically. But something to wake you up. In Deuteronomy 8, look at this. Deuteronomy 8, verse 2. He said, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to what? To prove you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or no. He humbled you and suffered you or let you get hungry. And he fed you with manna that you knew not, that your father, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Verse 16. Verse 16. He fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers knew not, that he might humble you, and that he might prove you, and that what? So he could show you what a miserable failure you are. Absolutely not. Don't let any of that kind of thinking come into your mind that he might prove you in order that what? 
to do you good at your latter end. That's God's objective. I said, that's his objective. Now, there's so many things in life God doesn't do, but he allows them. He permits them. They're not his perfect will, but he allows them. And so you have opportunities to believe God. Sometimes he will let you get all the way down to the Red Sea and your toes are in the water and Pharaoh's horse is breathing on the back of your neck. <laughs> Thank God. Come on, come on. What does that do though? It proves you. What are you going to do? You going to go spastic? You going to start crying, wailing, hollering? Hmm? Or are you going to stand there and talk faith? Hmm? You're going to honor God. Well, it would be a lot easier if God had just moved on Nebuchadnezzar. When they, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood up and said, uh-uh, we ain't worshiping your God. No, no. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. He will deliver us. It would have been easier if God just moved on Nebuchadnezzar and said, hmm, you know, God just moved on me. Uh, just forget it, boys. I'm wrong. I'm out of line. You're right. Go sit down. That would have been a whole lot easier on their flesh. But it wouldn't make nearly as good Sunday school story. <laughs> Little kids wouldn't like it as good, nearly. They just want some more Kool-Aid. Tell another story. Because they don't. It's fun, though. It's exciting when you get thrown all the way into the fiery furnace. Don't you know when those big guys stumble down dead and they've pushed them in with their last bit of strength and they're, they're sailing into this middle of this thing glowing red hot and, and they fall down on their hands and knees touching the coals and your head's screaming thinking, oh, I'm done, I'm done, I'm toast. You know, what's my hands, man? And you realize it doesn't burn. I don't feel it. Ooh, glory. In fact, it's kind of cool in here. Hey, and that's Jesus is here. That's a testimony. I said, that's a testimony. But it's uncomfortable. It's rough on your flesh. It's hard on your flesh. But it proves you. I said, it proves you. Scripture said concerning Joseph, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. What is that, Psalm 107 or so? The word of the Lord. People say, I tried that and it didn't work. Mm -mm. It tried you. And you've quit. I tried that faith stuff. I tried that tithing. I tried that confession. You know, I, I tried that sowing and reaping. I tried that hundredfold. I tried that. It didn't work for me. No, honey. No, no. Heaven is not in question about whether the word works or not. God is not concerned about whether his principles work. No, you were tried. You were proven, tested, and failed but you can still pass I said you can still pass now in Romans 3 do you still have that Romans 3 thank you Lord you still believing with me I have a purpose now I'm on, I'm on an assignment oh my my God has some amazing things planned. 
I don't tell you that as Keith Moore tonight. I speak by the word of the Lord. He has some absolutely phenomenal, amazing things planned. He's had them planned all along. So I wish you'd tell me. He can only tell you so much according to what your faith and vision can receive. Any more just overwhelms you. He's not into overwhelming you. I mean, that's no profit in that for him or for you. But for him to be able to do it justly, you have to be proven. There is no other way. Because he has planned to do some things for you that he hadn't done for a whole lot of other people. Talking about his own kids. And if he does it for you, but he doesn't do it for them, he's got to have a good reason why he can do that. Well, y'all are quiet now. Romans 3. In verse 3. He said, what if some did not believe? There's always going to be some folk that don't believe. Don't believe in speaking in tongues. Don't believe in prosperity. Don't believe in this. Don't believe in that. What if some did not? Shall their unbelief? Make the faith of God without effect and make his faithfulness without effect and make what he wants to do for you and I and what his faith will do in us and for us without effect? It will not. I said it will not. Other people's unbelief concerning you cannot negate your faith for you. I don't care what they say. Your words carry more weight in your life than anybody else's, in some cases, even more than God's. Usually when you say that, people get even quieter. Let me give you an example. If he says you're saved, your your sins are washed away by the blood, you're made the righteousness of God in Christ, and you say, no, I'm not, and I don't believe it. Whose words are going to carry on that? If he says, you are healed by my stripes, and you say, no, I don't believe it, I'm dying. Whose words are going to carry? It's because he allows that in your life. He allows you and I to have free will. Oh, but I tell you, it makes no difference what somebody else says about what you're believing about for yourself and in your life and in your ministry. Their unbelief, their naysaying cannot Render the faith of God of no effect for you. Mm-mm-mm. God is, is going to speak to some people and show them some things that you'll have to be very selective about who you tell to begin with. Amen. He said, verse 4, what does it say? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God of no effect? God forbid, absolutely not, no way. Yea, let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written that you, that God, that you may be justified in your sayings and you might overcome when you are judged. Just talking about God. 
Who's going to judge God? People try to every day. And here's one of the main ways they do it. God, that's not fair. That's not right. Why'd you do that? Why didn't you do that? Why'd you let that happen? And so much of it's unspoken. Now, God, I've been saved long as they have. And I've, I go to church, and I'm always there, and I bake pies. What, what's, what's being implied? Yeah, and something else, which is the same thing, that, that you should have done this for me. Or you should have done it for me instead of them. I happen to know. They fail in this area. I happen to know that their doctrine on this is not right. I happen to know what they did on this particular time, what they did at this phase of their ministry. Yeah, but honey, you seem to have forgotten that you're not the one who promotes. <laughs> so it really doesn't matter what you think about somebody else's promotion. Because you are not in the position. And it's not your call. And the Lord does not look on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And he sees things that other people can't see. And he sees past your ignorance and past your clumsiness and past your dumbness and mistakes. And he sees potential. And he says, okay, I'm going to let them have some wing bending. And I'm going to let them have some engine running wide open for a while. And I'm going to let them have some stuff because they can handle it. They can pass it. And then I can do for them what I want to do. And nobody can say anything about it. Because there are people and there will be people that will go, God, that ain't right. That ain't fair. That ain't fair. And even in that day. See, do you understand? God is the ultimate father. And he has all his kids. And he loves us all. The same. But he is a just and righteous father. And he is not able to promote and bless everybody equally. There are people that that preach and teach kind of a watered down form of religious communism. And they leave the impression that, well, it's all the same and we're all going to get the same. No, it ain't all the same here. It ain't all going to be the same later. Remember Jesus' parable? Have authority over ten cities. You five. You none. First Corinthians 15 says, in the resurrection, we will be like the stars that differ in glory. Some stars are a lot brighter than others. Right? No, everybody's not going to be in the same place and in the same measure. Not here and now, not then and there. But the Lord has to have solid, just, righteous reasons why he can do something for you that he wasn't able to do for somebody else. And what are those reasons? You've been proven. I said you've been proven. You stuck when others ran. You believed when others cried. You gave when others held back. 
Did you hear me? You went when others stayed home. Did you hear me? Oh, you getting it? Yeah, you getting it. I said, yeah, you getting it. It gets in your spirit. And you watch it. This is going to come up in you. In different times in your life and you realize, okay, okay, don't miss this now. This is a test. This is an opportunity for God. God's, and what's the end of the test? Proven so you can be promoted. God's got something he's wanting to do for you, but he's got to have a right to do it. And so that in the end, where anybody now are at the judgment seat of Christ, the devil included. You know, the devil tries this. And, and, and he's included in this liar stuff. That he'll say, now hold on. How could you do that for your man? You didn't do that for me. You gave him another chance. You, you, you did this for him. Listen, God has got it nailed down legally from the front to the back. And in that day, it's all going to come out. And even the loudest mouth naysayer is going to see what you did in the midnight hour, what you did that nobody knew that you did. God's going to cause it to come out. And all the folk that's hollering against you, they'll go, oh, okay. All right. Okay. Can't say nothing. Mouths will be stopped, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess. He is Lord, and He is the righteous judge of all the earth. And everything He does, and everything He does not do, and everything He allows, and everything He promotes, and everything He blesses, He is completely righteous and perfect in His judgments and ways. Can you say amen? Oh, glory. It'll make you see other people differently. It'll help get jealousy and envy out of you. You see, God did something for somebody. Even if you don't like some of their ways, you don't like some of this, have some sense. Realize God's blessing this man. God's blessing this woman. He's using them. How come? God, show me why you can use them and what I need to see about that. What can I learn from them? And be open. Can you say amen? Oh, glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. Go to uh, Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Now, there, there are a number of things going on tonight. One I've already expounded fairly extensively, but when it comes to other people in your life, Something the Lord's teaching me. You know, I want to bless people. I want to use them. I want to promote them. I want to increase them. But if people fail in their proving, you're actually wrong to promote them. Until they correct it. And if they don't correct it, then you just don't. In Acts 15, Paul and and Barnabas had been on a missionary trip. And they took one of uh, Barnabas' relatives, Mark. You remember that? And in the middle of the the trip, Mark got homesick. Remember that? And he wanted some of Mama's ham dumplings. And he didn't like these strange customs and cultures and, and language he couldn't understand. And, 
And so uh, he found out if there was any buses going home and he left. He just left in the middle of the, the crusades, in, in the middle of the missionary trip. He just went home. There's a whole lot of people did that. They didn't call it that. They called it feeling led to do, to do something else. <laughs> and yet the scripture says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. But when you're in the military, you don't get to decide where you're stationed. You get sent to Alaska in the wintertime, then you just are sent to Alaska in the wintertime. And you can't be up there for three weeks and go, now, man, I don't like it up here. Oh, that's too cold. Don't we have a base in Honolulu? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. I'm just going to go. See you. Bye. If you leave, yeah, AWOL, you're out of the will of the army. And you're in trouble. We got a lot of AWOL Christians. I said, we got a lot of AWOL Christians. If Jesus is your Lord, then you can't start a church when you want to and quit that church just because you want to. You can't start a job when you want to and just quit that job. You can't hook up with a ministry and just quit that just because somebody said something you didn't like or, or you just get tired of it. If you are in and out and just doing what you want when you want, then you are your Lord. I didn't say you wasn't saved. But Jesus is not your Lord. He's not running your life. You're running your life. And, and masses of people are. And so when it gets hot in the kitchen, they get out the kitchen. And that's why we've got so many whiny babies. The scripture says in, in Peter, he said, after that you've suffered a while, the Lord make you perfect establish, strengthen, settle you. He's not talking about suffering sickness and disease, suffering being broke. He's talking about suffering having to stay when you don't want to. Suffering having to go when you want to stay. Suffering having to put your flesh under and submit and say, yes, sir, when you want to say something else. (laughs) But that's when you grow up. I said, that's how you grow up. There's some times in my life, just in the few years I've been in the ministry, I wouldn't go through them again for huge sums of money. People could wave big checks in my face and I'd just go, uh-uh, no, no thanks, no, not going through that again. It was tough. Oh, it was rough. Oh, dear me, I mean night after night, praying, crying, oh God. And sometimes if you, you know, you can put in a request for a transfer if you want to. You can. But it'll come back, denied. (laughs) And so you. (laughs) Did you know it is possible to hurt in all over at once and still be in the middle of the perfect will of God? Because it is through this putting your flesh at Jesus, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered. And he wasn't suffering sickness a day of his life. He wasn't suffering lack. What was suffering? Oh, my father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. There wasn't no other way. And he did it. 
and he was proven and tested and shown approved. Went all the way down to the deepest depths, to the heart of the earth. Oh, but now he has been raised up, 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 far above the heavens and the earth and every name that is named. Why? He's been proven. And nobody can say, well, I couldn't do that for Jesus. He didn't do that for me. Did you go as far as he went? Did you obey as much as he did? Did you lay it all on the line like he did? How many understand God is righteous in all he promotes and all he does not? He's righteous in everything he does for someone and everything he does not do. He's righteous. Righteous. Mark goes home. When they finally get back, after all these days on the road and all this work, he's sitting up eating mama's fried chicken. They come in the house and he says, I want to go with y'all on your next trip. You know? And Paul said, uh-uh. Now, you ain't going. And Barnabas, who was a good man, the Bible said in verse 37, he was determined to take with them John. But Paul thought not good to take him. The language is different here. Determined means he was bent on it. And Paul thought not good. Somebody said, well, who, who was right here? I've even heard some theologians try to say, well, you know, Paul, this is one of Paul's darker moments here. He, he didn't walk in love. And, and, you know, just this shows that Paul's a man like us. Absolutely not. The rest of the book of Acts follows who? Paul and Silas. Did you hear me? Paul did not miss it here. Barnabas pushed this thing. Now, now God used it. One team went one way and one went another way. And he used it and they were okay. But he pushed this thing. And some people in, in, in their thinking, love promotes when people haven't been proven. It's wrong if it's your kids. It's wrong if it's your grandkids. It's wrong if it's an employee. It's wrong if it's somebody in the church. Did you hear me? Well, they're all my kids. I want to do the same for all of them. They're all church people. They're all staff. I just want to do the same for all. God does not do the same for all. I don't know exactly why I'm getting into all this, but I believe I've heard from the Lord about it. No. And, and Paul stood his ground. He said, oh, he ain't going. No. The boy lacks some stuff. Mama's fried chicken is more important than doing the work of God. You know, I used to teach in, in a Bible school in Ramah. And students, they're going to leave before the year's out or before the, the, the whole thing is out. They have to come get an exit interview with one of us instructors. And you would be shocked at some of the reasons why these people quit. One of them said this. He said, you know, it's been two months and I ain't had a steak. <laughs> and in Mama's house, I get steak all the time. I kept waiting for the, the real reason, you know. And there wasn't nothing else. So, so you're leaving? Yeah, I'm going home. 
Your mama cooked me a steak. What do you say to people like that? Bye. Man and woman come in there, short dressed. Only been going a few months. Don't quit. Why are we quitting? Is these the same people that told you three months ago, God sent us here. God sent us here. We're supposed to be here. Boy's got training. He's got something for us to do. We've got we to gotta get it. Three months later, well, the Lord's leading us to do something different. And you try to find out what, what's the thing that's really bothering you. Well, one thing that really, really bothered them was that they couldn't find a parking place on the paved part and had to park out in the gravel parking lot. I guess it never occurred to them that if they'd get up a little earlier and get ready a little earlier, they could have found a better parking spot. But the lady had to walk through the gravel in her nice shoes, and it was messing up her shoes. So what do you say to people like that? Bye. Why? You ain't ministry material. You got to be willing. And the Lord will allow situations where you have to make choices. You know, we, we've been in Tulsa for 20 something years. I'm traveling minister. I like it. Got my airplane set, got my own hangar on the field. I don't know if you know that's a big deal. You can't have your own hangers. My own hanger, I got an office upstairs. I can sit up there in my chair and look out at my airplanes and pray. <laughs> got a nice house. We, we believed God for years to, to get there. Started out at Shoot 'em Up Alley. Everybody know what I'm here? I'm talking about on the rough part of town. Came out to go to church one night and the police said, Get back inside. They had to. Thing blockaded off. Gun barrels over the saw horses. Maybe we better get back inside. That's where we started. And, and the Lord is with us. Leave. Go to Branson. Whew. They got a little bitty short strip up at Branson. Leave my hanger. Leave my this. Leave my. One morning I'm shaving. I'm just as human as anybody else. And I'm thinking, I had some other stuff, you know. I got to leave all of it. Go up there and, and start over in so many ways. And I'm thinking, man, you know. And the Lord asked me a question. He said, do you believe that I can do better for you? I said, yes, sir, I do. And he, he is doing. He's already done some wonderful things. And I know he's got planned to do some wonderful things. But he couldn't do it unless I would obey. He wouldn't have a legal right to do it. He couldn't legally do it for me. But I get excited when I think about it. Hallelujah. The first place I left to obey God, the Lord gave me a hundredfold house of what I left. And this last one I'm leaving is pretty substantial. It's the hundredfold house. So what's the next one going to be? A hundredfold of the hundredfold house. <laughs> I'm happy about it. If nobody else is, I'm, I'm glad about it. <laughs> Go to James. I think I'm closing. James. James chapter 1. Don't promote people. 
just because you get tired of seeing them not being promoted. Don't think you've got to do the same thing for everybody. Regardless. God doesn't do that. He got, he's got more kids than anybody. He knows how to raise kids. He knows how to deal with kids. Follow his example. Amen. James 1. Verse 2. I think maybe you can see this with even some fresh light. James 1, 2. My brothers. Do what? Is it fresher to you now? <laughs> how you could do that? Why could you count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations, trials, tests? Why? Because you know this wouldn't have been allowed. Except God had already graced me to overcome it. And the reason why he let me deal with it is because he believes I can handle it and overcome it. And then he have a legal right to promote me, to bless me, to prosper me, to increase me. And there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tested or tried or tempted above what you're able. So if it shows up on your door, what do you know? I can whoop it. If it shows up in your life, I can beat it. I can. It wouldn't be here if I couldn't overcome it. But the further you go in God, the stronger you get, the more you can handle And so you'll find some big boys on your doorstep sometimes. But it just makes the victory all the more sweet. All the more glorious. And don't look at other people in other situations and go, Well, God, you're not making them do that. You're not making them believe for that. You're not making them, you know, do all this. And you're not acting sensible. You're not realizing that God is favoring you. He's giving you this opportunity to pass tests that others haven't and to be promoted in ways that others haven't. I'm going to give you some of the best advice you have ever gotten. (laughs) You won't hear me often say things like that, but you just watch and see. I'm going to give you some of the best advice if you'll do it. It will spare you from untold agony and crying in the nighttime and all kind of problems in every area of life. Listen to me carefully. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, with anybody in any situation, never, ever, ever, never, ever feel sorry for yourself. Did you get that? There is never a justifiable reason. There is never a legitimate excuse for you feeling sorry for yourself. It's always doubt. It's always unbelief. It's always dishonoring to God. Always. Let me go over it real slow. Never. Ever. Ever under any circumstances, in any situation, with anybody, at any time, anywhere. Never. Ever. Ever. Never. Ever feel sorry for yourself. You got that? Boy, if you do it, if you'll do it, you'll stay in faith. I said you'll stay in faith. Another chance to prove my weapons. 
Another chance to overcome, another chance to honor God. It honors God when it feels like the world's crashing down on your head and you look up through the blood, sweat, and tears and you go, God, I believe you. I believe you. I will stand here forever. I will never quit. It makes him smile. It makes, it pleases him. And he says, I'm going to bless that boy. I'm going to bless that girl. And folk will scoff and they'll say things. And it, all of it won't come out in this life. But before it's over, every mouth will be stopped. And nobody will be able to question why God did that for you. Count it all joy. When you fall into divers, trials and temptations. Knowing this. That the trying of your faith works. Patience, perseverance. Hang in there. Stay with it. But let patience have her perfect work. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Verse 12, are you there? Verse 12. Verse 12, blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, when he is tested, when he is proven, he shall receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to them that love him. Listen to this. Listen to this. Stand up on your feet. Let me, let me read this to you and hear it like it's coming straight from the Lord because it's His words. It's His words, not mine. Zechariah 13. Now you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. You can just listen. The Lord said, I'm going to refine them as silver is refined. I'm going to try them like gold is refined. And they will call on my name and I will hear them and I will say, that's my people. And they will see, they will say, that's my God. He knows the way that I take, Job says. And when, when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. You know it, but First Peter 1, 7, he says that the trial of your faith. Being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found to praise and honor and glory at the appearing of the Christ. Oh, Lord. Just lift your hands for just a moment. Tell the Lord that you're not afraid to be proven. Tell him in your own words, Lord, I'm not afraid to be proven for your grace will be there. I'm not afraid to be proven because you approved me to approve me. You proved me to promote me. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, everybody, just lift your hand. Just praise him a little bit. Just glorify him, Lord, anything else you won't say. Anything else you won't done. Lord, let this, let this lodge strong and deep in the hearts of your people. Everyone. Oh, bekiste, ye devela bronde, finasote, blige devagendo. You are to us the enlightening of the eyes. Oh, ben meris gonovandis, brindios, gosdiafe, bela suvilo, gamien de besto. Volem blesufian bene enche teia. 
Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Mandi gridushi vonamet dea numont devea instofonamete. I heard the Spirit say something here. I heard the Spirit say something. For me to promote you like I have not done for others, for me to bless you in such ways I have not been able to do for many of my, my own children, you must pass tests that others have not passed. You must be proven in areas that others have failed. But I have planned for you wonderful things, wonderful things, things that exceed what you have asked and thought, things that are high above your largest dreams. But do not be surprised, do not be frightened, do not be alarmed as though some strange thing tried you. And happen to you, but realize in the midst of what's going on and go, oh Lord, I, I see it, I see it. This is a time of proving. This is a proving situation. And by your grace, I will stand. By your grace, I will not fail you, my Lord. By your grace, I will not doubt. By your grace, I will not draw back. But I will obey and I will stand. And then I shall say, I will promote thee. I will bless thee. I will increase you mightily. And you'll break forth on the sides and the front and the back. And others will say, my, 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 my. It just seems like that God's playing favorites. It just seems, it don't seem fair, it don't seem right. But I am fair, says the Lord. And I am perfectly righteous. And I am holy and all my judgments are perfect and righteous and in that day and in this, let God be true, and every man a liar, and I will be justified, and I will be confirmed. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.